Welcome back to another episode of the 49ers and they're about to host the Dallas Cowboys if everything finishes off in Tampa Bay. You'll hear that right after this. What's going on? How's it going, Rohan? I'm doing good. And it's a weekend because the 49ers just won against Seahawks. It was a pretty fun game. Uh, I went to the game. It was a fun one. And now we just saw the outcome or the likely outcome of this one. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. I know for everyone who's probably tuned in is probably wondering what is going on with the 49ers red zone name. If you are on the 49ers red zone YouTube, it is now dun, 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 dun. It is now Clutch Gene Sports. The reason is, is the plan is to eventually be able to talk all football, all MLB, um, NBA, um, any sports that people were talking about, um, rather than just 49er-centric. Um, I know when the offseason comes, we like to talk NFL draft, and it allows us to to go in more depth um, on other teams as well, well as all our college sports that Rohan and I do. Um, so the plan is um, to go all sports, so that's why it is now Clutch Gene Sports. But thank you guys for all tuning in. Rohan, how you doing, my man? Hey, going good. And real quick, some other uh, personal news as well. Um, I just created the Rohan Truck Revarthi shows for all of my non-Clutch Gene Sports podcast episodes that I host with some other people uh, that I have recurring guests on. That's where that content is going to go. So if you guys want uh, to see that content that normally doesn't go out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to check out there. I will be posting some stuff on Twitter, and that's where you'll hear that information. That it is it. Rohan's doing big things on his on his own podcast right there. So make sure y'all get there. Hit that subscribe button. Hit his like button. So make, make sure you guys are following that. Now, to the game, right? You were there uh, Saturday. Um Weather was nicer than everyone thought, but, I mean, the travel uh, circumstances and stuff wasn't the greatest for people to get there. So, 49ers close first half, and then they whoop on the Seattle Seahawks in the second half. Like, it, it, it got to the, the point where um looked like a bloodbath. Um, talk to me about the game, Rohan. What did you see first half to second half, the differences? I mean, the first half, it was a little different, right? Obviously, in the first half, the 49ers – were facing not necessarily struggles, but it was a closer game than people probably anticipated. Seahawks go into the half 17 to 16. You talk about the differences. Let's start with the defense because I thought that that was where the biggest difference was. Defensively, the 49ers were as they were in the past few weeks. Some big time, not necessarily coverage busts, but coverage mishaps. Trevor Ward stumbled uh, on a, a go route of DK Metcalf's that led to a 74-yard touchdown. He had himself a rough first half by, uh, and and that's nothing against Ward. It's just that's how it was. Uh, Seattle was not afraid to target him. And unlike the Week 15 performance where he held Metcalf to two, two catches for 15 yards, I think on four or five targets through 33 routes, this was a lot different. Metcalf uh, had his day. He had 136 yards on 10 catches, two touchdowns in total, and Ward gave up six catches for 98 yards, including the big touchdown. To me, the biggest play was that touchdown, and then offensively, it was interesting. The 49ers... Uh, they struggled a bit, but it didn't seem like they were struggling. What does that mean? Kyle Shanahan was dying, dialing up good plays. There were a lot of open shot plays, and it was really crucial to me to see the trust he had in Brock Purdy early in the first half. Despite the inaccuracies, despite some of the issues early on, he continued the trust in Brock Purdy, and there were a lot of miss uh, missed, missed opportunities in the first half, but that changed in the second half. Purdy had a near-perfect performance in the second half with in regards to completion percentage and all of that, uh, and the 49ers won on a 25-0 run. The defense clamped up, and they really stopped stuff short of the chains. That's what they, they've been known to do the entirety of the year, and that's what they did in the second half. I think you're absolutely right. So 
coming out the gate, Kyle Shanahan starts calling up and dialing up wide open throws for Brock Purdy. Now, a lot of fans are like, oh, I think Kyle Shanahan should have ran the ball more in the first couple drives. No. When they're layup throws and it's the quarterback that's been making these throws on a regular the last five weeks, that is the absolutely right thing to do. I don't care whether he's a rookie or not, whether he has playoff jitters or not. You're coaching as if everyone is good. I'm not coaching thinking he has jitters because why? If he has jitters, there's an issue, right? Like that's an issue if he has jitters because the way he's been playing the last five weeks, he has not not been playing like he has jitters. Um, so I love the way Kyle came out the gate. Play, play, play. It was pass, 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 pass. And it was working. They had a wide open Debo that Brock Purdy missed. He sold it high. And then he had a jo- Jawan Jennings was wide open for a touchdown. He just underthrew it and the timing on that throw. So when you look at stuff like that, it's like, okay, Kyle Shanahan is in his bag early. He wants to put this game away early. That's literally what Kyle Shanahan was trying to do. He was trying to get an early lead allow his defense to be able to tee off on Geno Smith. But unfortunately, Brock Purdy didn't allow that. So it, it became a closer game because when you're missing those throws, now you're you're settling for field goals in the red zone. You're settling for field goals that keep Seattle in the game. And then one play later, Seattle, which was the, the deep bomb to DK Metcalf, Seattle was in the lead. So when you look at stuff like that, it's to me, it was closer because of the play from Brock Purdy in the first half missing wide open throws, missing throws that he's normally hitting. So that eventually changed, as well as the defense. Was, in my opinion, I thought the defense played fairly well in the first half. Um, they gave up big plays. They gave up the DK Metcalf. They gave up another few um, deep plays on crossing routes. But the way they, they were playing in terms of they were making Seattle dink and dunk. And I don't think that will ever work on the 49ers defense. You cannot dink and dunk down the field Agreed. and get um, and then second half, uh, they were about to, they were about to score, keep the game close, and then Charles Domenehu comes in, forces the fumble. The game changes from there, or you could say the game changed when they twisted DK uh, or they twisted Debo Samuel's ankle and tried to get dirty with the 49ers. Don't get down and dirty with the 49ers because they're more they're a more physical team than you are. Um, but I think the 49ers played a fair a fairly good ball game, man. Outside of Brock Purdy playing in the first half, um, if he plays like that in the first half against uh, Dallas, there might be issues. There really might be issues at, at that point. Yeah, and I mean, when you talk about it, that's why me and I'm sure other people thought Tampa Bay would be the easier matchup. Why? You saw today when their offense was moving, how was it moving? The dink and dunk strategy. However, that strategy doesn't work against the 49ers, and they faced that strategy several times this year, including week 14 when they hosted Tampa Bay. They only allowed seven points in that game. Uh, right, it was thirty-five to seven, if I'm not mistaken. They only allowed seven points in that game, and that's because that defense was able to hammer down on that dink and dunk strategy. Seattle tried it a couple of times this year, and they got seven points and thirteen points out of the situation when they tried it earlier in the year. This year, this game was just a little different. Really, in my opinion, the the main difference of this game was just the DK Metcalf seventy-four yard touchdown. Apart from that, San Francisco had locked down for the most part. Uh, you you give up nine points apart from that, and those were off three field goals. They've also done a very good job in limiting touchdowns in the red zone or near the red zone. When teams crouch up on their territory, that's something that I've noticed. And Charles O'Menehue, his fumble recovery was another big part of it. Uh, I mean, Charles O'Menehue, he got that fumble when Seattle was coming down into San Francisco territory. Kyle Shanahan deemed it the most important play of the game, and it really changed uh, changed the outcome. On a day where Nick Bosa did not have his best performance, he recorded zero pressures for the first time all year. Charles O'Menehue made big-time plays. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time moments. That's what Charles O'Menehue did. He was San Francisco's best pass rusher yesterday uh, or on Saturday with the fumble recovery, with the strip, uh, with, or sorry, the forced fumble on the strip sack. He made that big play. No, I absolutely agree. I think Charles O'Menehue is definitely a guy that um, needs to be extended or re-signed to the 49ers. The, what he does for the 49ers in the run game and then in the pass game He's one of the guys that you have to try to keep around. Um, what he did on Saturday to um, the Seattle Seahawks, registering the most pressures in the game um, for the 49ers defensive line. The strip sack was was huge. Um, but going into the secondary, I felt like the secondary played well outside of Charvarius Ward. But 
I'm going to give Tarverius Ward some slack. Manning up with DK Metcalf is a hard thing to do, man. DK Metcalf is 6'3", 250, whatever, how big he is. He, he, dude, he's a menace. That guy is a legit receiver. I don't care what anyone says. For Tarverius Ward to man up with him and, and go toe-to-toe with him, kudos to him, to him man. That That's some hard things to do. Um, talk to me a little bit about what the 49ers struggled with in the Seattle game. Because I, there's, yes, they scored 41 points. That's that's legit. But there's areas of concern from from the entirety of this game. It wasn't it wasn't pretty the entire game. So what is something that concerns you or did nothing concern you at all during this game? Now, in reality, there is never a game where anything doesn't concern me. And I'm not trying to sound negative. I'm just trying to make the most of it. Coaches will always come out and say there's something we can learn from every game. And I think that that's the very uh, that's the same case in this game. I think defensively, D'Amico Ryans had maybe his shakiest uh, game-calling game in the first half, at least for a minute. Uh, There were times where that dink and dunk strategy that we're talking about did work. Seattle was looking to get short gains, and they had found the holes in the zone defense that San Francisco was utilizing. And that's something that you do worry about sometimes because San Francisco, they're a team that's predicated on that pass rush. How do you avoid the pass rush? It's by getting the ball out quick. And when there are holes in your zone defense uh, that really exploit getting the ball or that really are exploited by getting the ball out quick, then that's an issue because then you can't utilize the strategy that you've been using. I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think in that I think D'Amico Ryans can fix that, but that was a str- uh, something that I saw early on uh, from Seattle's offense that kept them moving for four drives or five drives in this game, and that's something that I think San Francisco will look to fix in the pre in the next game. Be it uh, disguising some coverages or really uh, utilizing their linebackers in some different ways. We'll see how that goes. Offensively, I think it was ma- mainly just execution uh, in. Uh, execution with the quarterback and with the receivers really to me i thought that there were a lot of opportunities where there either some there was either a miscommunication or a poor throw or something uh and it happened a lot and obviously it didn't hurt in this game you score 41 points but in general uh, especially against a better cowboys defense remember seattle's defense is amongst the worst in the league against a top 10 defense in the dallas cowboys some of those mistakes that forces you to drive longer uh, going on the field because you have to you can't take the chunk plays and that is something that you're going to see against Dallas is not going to work as much now. Am I worried about the Cowboys? Not necessarily. Do I think they provide a good matchup? Yeah, they are good. Uh, they have a good solid defensive line against the pass. They have a, uh, a solid cornerback in Trayvon Diggs, who has proven he proved today that he he really could shut down the top receivers in Mike Evans uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they've got a strong offense with a balanced approach. The balanced approach is the biggest thing because they've got Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott, as well as uh, C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott, who has played inconsistent but when he's on his game he's on his game for the Dallas Cowboys so I think there's a lot of things that you do have to look out for in this uh matchup coming forward hey also you I don't know if you mentioned uh Dalton Schultz but Dalton Schultz is, is yeah. a hard cover too man he's one of those guys that um could beat you in the past game and he's also a good run blocker I think the biggest key against Dallas is like you said is not not having those mislaps right like when there's a few plays where Brock Purdy overthrew a receiver, overthrows and tips lead to interceptions. Those lead to turnovers. Um, on the first, on the first throw to Debo, that overthrow on a as he was a wide oh, wide open on a crossing route, um, or a dig, whatever you want to call it, he was wide open, dude. You can't overthrow it by a solid six, seven yards. Um, luckily, the safety slipped, or that would have been picked off. Like the overthrows are gonna cost you in the playoffs if you're doing that. Um, now, I'm not worried about the offense. I, I think the offense with Christian McCaffrey is so open and so um, versatile. The 68-yard run by Christian McCaffrey to, to get the offense going. Um, even when Christian McCaffrey doesn't have the ball, eyes are going towards him. It's it's eye candy in the backfield. What Kyle's doing right now with the motions, the and then as, as plays happens, so what Kyle does is pre-snap motion, and then as the play is going, it's another across your face. So as a linebacker, you got to pick that up. And it's all eye candy for these linebackers to get caught in a blender. 
Um, I think Kyle Shanahan called a hell of a game plan. Um, D'Amico Ryan's hell of a job adjusting at halftime uh, because mm-hmm. he was getting dink and dunk. Like you, like you just said, what Seattle's game plan was was to stretch the 49ers out horizontally defensively and then start throwing vertically. That was the plan as well as kind of run the ball a little bit as much as they could. So when, when they did that, when they stretched us horizontally, it kind of puts Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw in a very tough situation going sideline to sideline. And then once D'Amico realized what they were doing and he changed things around, things were fine. I did have a question for you. Who, Go was for the it. Clutch, who had the clutch gene performance of the game? Because now that we're a clutch gene performance, every game there is a clutch player that helps you win that game. Who had that clutch gene this game? I mean, we talked about him earlier. I have to go with Charles O'Menahue because he's a guy that you don't expect to be that clutch player. You'd expect it to be Nick Bosa or Ark Armstead or Fred Warner, maybe even Talano who Funger or Trevarius Ward. No, it was one of the rotational defensive linemen who stepped up and made a big play in this game. O'Menahue had the game-winning play pretty much because that's the one that really turned it around. And overall, O'Menahue had a strong, strong game. Uh, he's a guy who you, you have to you really do have to respect in general now because he's going to be an uh he's going to be a guy in the off season that is going to get some good money he got five pressures in this game had the forced fumble uh had two sacks i think the two sacks led uh the team as well so strong performance by him he's my clutch gene for game my clutch gene performance of the game i'm going to go to the offensive side of the ball so it's not going to be the quarterback though Devo Samuel is my clutch gene performance of the game. A guy who's been dealing with injuries towards the end of the, end of the year, comes back um, this week, and he balls out. Ball Absolutely balled out. Six catches for 133 and a touchdown. Had the game-sealing touchdown on a play that he looked like he was going to cut it back inside, but instead it hits that sideline full speed, probably hit about 22 miles per hour. It looked like dude was flying. Brandon Ayuk with a beautiful block in there. I might think what Debo Samuel did uh, and what Kyle Shanahan did was Debo Samuel um, lining him up in the backfield, um, having him run routes out of the backfield, kind of threw Seattle off. They weren't expecting that. Um, it was a interesting thing, interesting dynamic that Kyle Shanahan did because normally you have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield running those routes. But instead what he did is Christian McCaffrey is such a good route runner that he's probably as good of a route runner as Debo Samuel. So what, he, what Kyle Shanahan did was, okay, uh, Christian, you go line up at receiver. We'll put Debo in the backfield. You run Debo's route. He'll run your route. And now they're in a they're in a bigger package because they're expecting run. So now when you're expecting run on rundowns and you have Debo in the backfield, you can't sub in and out. So I thought that was a was a hell of a, a thing by Kyle Shanahan. Um, if anyone says uh, Brock Purdy clutch team performance of the game, I would not argue. Um, Brock Purdy played second played half. Pretty yeah. good ball in the second half, man. Um, what he did in the second half. But the thing is, for me, so I'm a big believer in what's going on throughout the game. And everything seemed so wide open, so schemed open. Like, everything was so wide open for the entire game. Like, I really want to go back and watch the game and see how many passes that were caught actually had a defender within a yard or two near the receiver. Because I felt like every pass that was completed for, and it might not be every pass, because I believe he, Brock Purdy had 18 receptions, 18 completions for 30 um, attempts. I believe about 15 to 16 of those throws, his receivers had two yards of separation. Like, it was ridiculous what Kyle Shanahan was doing to that Seattle defense. Like, it was, I was like, whoa. So I'm curious to go back and watch that. Yeah. Here's what I'll say on that. To me, I I don't mean Brock Purdy's performance because of that. I still think that it was a hell of a performance for two reasons. One, the aggressiveness to throw the shot plays when Kyle Shanahan called him because that had been called several times before in the playoffs, and we had seen those shot plays not being taken care of, and because those shot plays weren't called, the 49ers offense was limited. The aggressiveness is the most important thing when doing taking those shot plays because when it's there and when it's the earlier read in the progression, Purdy has shown a tendency to let it rip, which is important because he doesn't let that arm strength undermine him. He understands his capabilities, and he throws the ball uh, with good accuracy, which is the second part. 
I know a couple of throws uh, this game, especially on those shot plays, were inaccurate. But overall, Purdy has been relatively accurate on those on those balls, sometimes even overly accurate, which has been a good thing for the 49ers. And that's why I was still impressed with this performance uh, to to a uh, to a bigger capacity because of the uh, storyline behind it, because of the playoff environment him in his first game and the amount of touchdowns that he scored, as well as the amount of yards that he threw for, he really had a career performance in the biggest stage of his life. No, he absolutely did. Don't give me, like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say like, Oh, Debo Samuel know, yeah. or, or, or um, Brock Purdy didn't play great. He played great. He, when he, I mean, the, what we're asked for as 49er fans was with Jimmy Garoppolo was hitting the open guys, right? Like, that was what we asked. We didn't ask them to be Patrick Mahomes. We didn't want a Josh Allen. Like, of course, having those guys is literally the dream. Like, we want something like that, right? But we all we wanted Jimmy to do was hit the open guys. That's what Brock Purdy's doing right now. So what Brock Purdy's doing is good football. But to me, watching it and, and, and saying, because I see people out there saying, this was 100% um, Brock Purdy. Nothing else. Like Kyle Shanahan is not doing anything with it. Like, it doesn't have any any say in what's going on. I think it's it's honestly 50-50. If not 75-25, Kyle Shanahan, 25% Brock Purdy. He's just going where he's supposed to go with the ball. Now, when he starts extending the play and making throws like what he did to Brandon Ayuk in the back of the end zone, that Brandon Ayuk has to catch, man. You have to catch that. That was a laser. Then, then that's when you're muted. just watching that live. That was a phenomenal play. Like, and the best part about it is after the game, I I watched what Purdy said. Purdy said that he honestly should have let it rip to his first progression, missed that, or he thought it was too tight of a window. And then he also understands that in the playoffs, it's better to sometimes let that uh, let that ball go out of bounds, just throw it out of bounds, and save uh, get the three points. But he also understood that there was a window uh, that he could have thrown that ball into and also that he could have been the final punch. And he had the the aggressiveness, the willingness, and also fit that ball in. That was an impressive play. No, absolutely. It was, it was a hell of a play. I thought I thought that play was one of the ones where I was like, whoa. Bro, I thought that was Brock Purdy's best throw he's ever thrown, ever. Like, that was a hell of a throw. But then you also have the Brock Purdy who – in the first half, was scrambling around, looking like his college self, where scrambling backwards and running and and running in a circular motion, where it leads him to bad decisions or makes him throw it out of check it out of bounds. And to me, I don't mind the the throwing it away. I don't mind that. But to me, when he when he's starting to mess around and, and scramble like that, where it's more so backyard football than scrambling with a purpose. Then that's where I'm like, okay, then you're gonna get you're gonna get us in trouble like that because he scrambled with the purpose on that throw where he let it rip to Brandon Ayuk. He was scrambling to throw. He wasn't scrambling to run or or he was scrambling to throw. And there's other times in the first half where he was scrambling and it more so looked like he was scrambling to run. Like I don't I don't know if that makes sense, but to me that that was the biggest change for him. He was more so stepping up in the pocket second half rather than scrambling backwards. Yeah, and the one thing I think he'll learn as time goes, because he is still a rookie, is trusting the offensive line more. Sometimes he does scramble a little, a little early. He bails out of the early pocket, and when you bail out of the early pocket, your back is like the way he scrambles. His back is to the defense or, or to the play sometimes, and that kind of takes away from the first progression getting open when they're supposed to get open, or the second progression getting open when they're supposed to get open. And so I think he'll learn from that, but still, it's an added bonus after – like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo since 2018 with the ACL, his mobility just uh, quite frankly hasn't been the same. And this is a, a new share. We saw it a little bit with Trey Lance in the very limited sample, but for the most part, we haven't seen this type of mobility in a minute. And so I'm not saying Brock Purdy is an like a is a great athlete necessarily, but he has that sleepy mobility and athleticism that is just all you need at that quarterback position. No, absolutely. I think you're you're right in the in the sense of that mobility could be great, but it also it also could be a negative at the same time. So I think that for me, that's where he has to find the happy medium in terms of learning when to scramble up and learning when to scramble back. Because going backwards is going to get you in trouble. 
um, not many quarterbacks should scramble backwards and be able to still let it rip. And when you have the lack of arm strength going backwards actually hurts your arm strength even more. But I thought Brock Purdy played a hell of a game in the second half. Um, first half, he struggled. Um, second half, picked it up. Started playing who um, playing ball like he should. Um, going into Dallas, because obviously Dallas Cowboys just beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They kind of pretty much whooped on them in a way. Um, score ended up being 31-14. Um, it wasn't close at all um, from the beginning. What do you think of Dallas coming into um, Levi Stadium to play the 49ers. Now, last year we host, uh, we went to Dallas and we beat them 23 to, I believe, 14. I believe, uh, 23 17, 23 17. 23 17. So the 49ers went in there, um, they handled business. Now they get to host the Dallas Cowboys, which I think this Dallas Cowboys is a better team. Um, even though Probably. last year they had a yeah. Cooper. And C.D. Lamb, I think this year is a more um, complete team in the sense of they have their secondary is better. Um, they're using Tony Pollard a lot much, well, uh, much more, um, who is a more dynamic running back than Ezekiel Elliott. Um, what do you think? Just not looking at anything. I know you haven't probably studied um, Dallas and, and their tendencies or their weaknesses and strengths, but after watching tonight's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What do you think um, about this game? Yeah, I mean, I honestly said uh, coming into the wild card weekend that Dallas was going to be the toughest of the three opponents that San Francisco could face in the divisional round. San Francisco could have faced Minnesota, but since the uh, the Giants won, they were going to face Dallas or Tampa Bay. Of Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Dallas, I thought Dallas was the toughest matchup for sure. In terms of, I thought they just fit well, and I thought they were the best team of the three. I was uh, Minnesota is a team where, I mean, we saw the true colors of the Minnesota Vikings this past weekend. You talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their flaws were clearly shown uh, today in the wild card game. The Dallas Cowboys, though, they have a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense, and they have a balanced approach offensively while a pretty strong pass rush and a solid enough secondary defensively with guys like uh, Trayvon Diggs and J. Ron Curse back there. Now, the things about Dallas that I want to point out, turnovers. Dallas is one of the best teams at producing turnovers in the NFL. They have, they're they the second best team in turnover differential right behind the 49ers. And they, this isn't something new. They were a strong turnover producing team last year. They re re uh, reciprocated that and they're, really a strong turnover producing team in 2022 as well. And that's a big thing because the turnover battle essentially it dictates games. At least it has for the 49ers. The 49ers have won the turnover battle 10 times in 2022. That's absurd. But in the 10 times, what's their record? 10 and 0. They've lost the turnover battle four times in 2022. In those four games, they've lost all four. So it's pretty clear. You win the turnover battle, you win the game. You lose the turnover battle, you lose the game. And we have two teams generating turnovers at the highest level in the NFL now facing each other in the NFC, uh, in the divisional round. Now, what I'll say about Dallas, their run defense is not as good as you'd expect it to be. That's the one weakness, the one flaw of their defense. I believe they're the 22nd ranked run defense uh, when I last checked. I could be completely wrong on that exact ranking, but I believe that they are uh, around there. They're not the best run defense, and that's where the 49ers should probably hammer this game. Now, we said that last game, too, with Seattle not being the best run defense, and because Seattle stacked the box because of their lack of run defense, what did San Francisco do? Dial up shot plays. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a similar game plan this game as we did at the beginning the last game to open up the passing game that sets up the run later on and uh, that kind of helps push down the hammer dallas though strong matchup and they've got uh they've got a uh they really play well on both sides of the ball the biggest thing that really i think dictates the game how does san francisco contain their offense that's the biggest thing right how does san francisco contain their offense because obviously um dak prescott right Everyone was bashing Dak, Dak Prescott. Most interceptions uh, during the season, this and that. I even seen Dallas Cowboy fans saying that Dak sucks. This like, we never gonna win with him. First round exit because of Dak Prescott. Man, Dak Prescott was a clutch gene performance of the game recipient yeah. from my end. Man, when you step in there and you play that kind of football, man, mm. Dak Prescott. And and I know as a 49er fan. 
talking about Cowboys is kind of weird, especially when you're hyping them up. 25 for 33, 305 uh, passing yards, four touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Man, five total touchdowns from Dak Prescott. He led that offense. That offense was clicking on all cylinders. Um, they didn't run the ball as effective as I thought. Um, they rushed for 128 yards, um, but 24 of those yards came from um, Dak Prescott. Um, yeah. And it looked like Tony Pollard being the guy out of the backfield as they sh- as he should be. Um, now, where I think Dallas could be beat is their linebacking core, right? I was thinking that too, game, yeah. In the run game, right, when I'm watching them, I'm watching Van Der Esch. He's a good run run um, run run fitter. Um, I don't know their other linebacker. Um, but when I watch them, they could be taken in the pass game and in the run game. And Kyle Shanahan loves he loved picking on Jalen Smith. He liked picking on Van Der Esch too. So I think Kyle Shanahan's gonna keep the same 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 like thing he does all the time. When Kyle Shanahan plays a team multiple times, he doesn't change it up. He doesn't. When he played the Los Angeles Rams, every game he took it to them in the run game. Why? Because he's trying to punch you in the mouth. Same thing with Dallas. He's going to try to run the ball on them, and if they stack the box, then you'll have a play in there for Brock Purdy to check out to, and they're probably going to go man across board more often than we think because they have Trevon Diggs. And on the other side, they have a couple of guys um, on on their cornerback room. I know they just signed Xavier Xavier Howard. No. Xavier, Xavier uh, Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes, yeah. Um, they have a good safety, Malik Cooker. Um, Israel uh, Mukamu, who I like coming out of the draft, is opposite of um, Trevon Diggs. Um, they do have a guy named uh, Donovan Wilson at the safety room. Um, Deron Bland, um, I, I, I got to shout him out. Um, put it on for the um, 209. Um, my, a good buddy of mine. Um Went to middle school with him. Talked to him still today. Um, if you throw at him a lot, he might pick you off. I mean, teams tested him during the regular season, and he was up there for tied for first or tied for second with most interceptions. He had five um, interceptions this year. He was the most. So You'd you think Trayvon Diggs would have had the most in the on the Dallas Cowboys. Deron Bland, fifth-round rookie, had five interceptions this year. Something to note. So you do throw at him. He's going to make you pay. But I also do think if you throw at him, you could get big plays only because he's a rookie, yeah. right? Like, and that's that's the biggest thing for me is the the rookiness. I don't think there's nothing wrong with him. I think he's a, I think he's balling, man. Um, shout out to him. Um, but offensive offensively, how you attack this defense is to attack those linebackers. Now defensively, how do you stop this this offense? Don't blitz. Don't blitz. People think it's smart to blitz Dak, blitz Dak Prescott. Look what Tampa Bay did today. They blitzed. Dak Prescott will make you pay. He is a very smart quarterback pre-snap. And when you are blitzing, he knows where he wants to go with the ball. Today, he was decisive. He knew what he wanted to do with the ball. If we if we play that Dak Prescott, blitzing him will put you in tough situations with um, a quarterback like Denominator Lenore who might be manned up with CeeDee Lamb. Right, Denominal Lenore had a hell of a game, but I'm not going to forget who Denominal Lenore was at the back end of the season. He was the reason yeah. our secondary was struggling, right? So for me, you're, they have good receivers. Dolan uh, Schultz, Fred Warner, and him should be a fun matchup. Um, Michael Gallup is starting to come along. Um, he's looking nice. Um, had a nice catch today. Going to be a fun game, man. Going to be a really fun game. I agree, and I got to just talk about the blitzing part because in my when I was researching earlier today and seeing really the numbers of Doc, Dak Prescott, he is really damn good this year against the blitz. You saw it today. He had four touchdowns today in a hell of a performance. Dak Prescott is amongst the league's best when blitzed. He had 21 touchdowns this year when blitzed uh, in the NFL. No other quarterback, I believe, I think that leads quarterbacks by eight. He had the most touchdowns by eight when blitzed. And when you talk about his statistics, he's a top five guy in completion percentage and top 10 guy, I believe, in passer rating when blitzed. So he is. You're saying 21 of his 23 touchdowns came on blitzed? Yeah. Jesus. I had to look up how many touchdowns he had because I knew he was yeah. in like in that 20 rate. Dude, 
Yeah. If we blitz, I'm gonna be pissed. You gotta Robert or, or Ryan's better figure out how to scheme stuff up, getting pressure on him without sending a blitz. And if you send it, you better time that shit up right because that dude. I'm telling you, every time Tampa Bay blitzed, he made them pay. Every mm-hmm. single time. He's good. He's good. And so you gotta, you definitely have to worry about that. That's one thing where you do want to make sure that you don't blitz because it also favors the 49ers. They've got a strong defensive line, rush four, and really fill those gaps in well in the zone scheme by filling uh, filling them in uh, by filling them in with the extra uh, defenders that you have out there. Keeps it hard for Dallas and forces them to sustain plays. See, but the thing too is. If you don't blitz, I still want to see you go some type of man. Because Dak Prescott Agreed. versus a zone is really good. Like, so, um, damn, what game was it? It might have been the Philadelphia game where they beat Philly. Philly decided to zone him. And I want to so say, I'm, I'm going to look it up real quick. Hold on. Like, give me like two seconds. Okay, and while so he Dak goes, Prescott, okay, go for it. So Dak Prescott completed all 24 of his passes against zone coverage for 300 yards and three touchdowns, becoming the only uh, perfect, uh, only player to earn a perfect 99 grade on next-gen stats passing score versus a wow. zone since 2018. So if you if you zone him, so that game he had 27 completions, 24 of those came on a zone. So if you zone him, like I said, he's so smart, pretty snap. He knows where he wants to go with the ball. That's the thing with Dak Prescott is if you blitz him, he'll make you pay. If you put him in zone, he'll make you pay. Now where he struggles is when it's man-to-man and you disguise things in man. That is where he starts to struggle. And I think that's the biggest thing for the 49ers to go to is go to man. You got to go. You got to play man. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And one other thing about Dak Prescott. This year in a way is a little bit – I wouldn't necessarily say – well, I, I think I got to. It's a little bit of an outlier for Dak Prescott. He played in only twelve games this year with the uh, with the with the injury uh, to begin the season. How many interceptions did he have? He had fifteen interceptions this year, career high, and in a career low games except for the twenty twenty year when he had the the fibula injury. So Dak Prescott, that's one issue that he has faced. Now Dallas has won the turnover differential a lot this year. They're second in the league because they force turnovers at a high rate, but they also generate, or not generate, give up turnovers at a pretty high rate with Dak Prescott and his interception ratio. He has had multiple games with two interceptions. I believe five on the year with two interceptions. And overall, he's only had two games before this one without an interception in 2022. Something to know. And I think the 49ers, I think the 49ers fans um, should be so hyped about this game. You, you're kind of getting that 90s rivalry back. Dallas and 49ers, right? Um, 49ers got last year. Uh, hopefully they can repeat that. I don't think it's going to be an easy game like fans think. I've seen fans say blowout. It's not going to be that easy, man. This is a good Dallas team. They're a complete team, just like the 49ers. Majority of the season, this Dallas team was a top defense in the NFL. Towards the back end of the year, they fell off defensively. But they still have that in them. They showed it tonight. This is a good team. Don't take them lightly, fans. Uh, now, I love the trash talking. I love the. Tra- I'm talking. I'm talking trash too. To all my cowboy fans. Now, guess what? I understand that they could upset us. I, we're supposed to beat them. I think we're. I think that right. The the three the and a half is the line. We're a three and yeah. a half point favorite. They could upset us. Yeah. No. It, it, this this one's gonna be uh It's gonna be a fun game. And I think it's going to be a tough battle. I'm actually going to be at this game. This will be my final, literally my final day before I head back out. So I'm going to be at this game, uh, the divisional round. It should be a nice one. And I think that there are a couple of matchups that we do got to talk about. So let's start with that. And CeeDee Lamb's going to be an intriguing guy. Traverius Ward is coming off arguably his worst game as a 49er uh, against uh, the Seattle Seahawks. This is going to be a matchup where Traverius Ward is going to have some fuel to him. What do you think about it? Do you think the 49ers are at a disadvantage? How do you think this one plays out? I think CeeDee Lamb is a legit receiver. 
Um, I think CD Lamb comes in and gives us issues. I really do think he gives us a few issues. Um, because they're not they're not gonna have CD Lamb matched up man to man with Trevorius Ward. Dallas knows how to scheme them open. They 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 so at one point Dallas was he was struggling at one point during the beginning of the year because they, they were doubling him. They were taking him out of games. Dallas had to learn to adapt, put him in motion um, a few times uh, to run some routes. Um, so they're going to scheme him up. Um, and I think that's smart for Dallas to do. Don't don't let him go man up because you're probably going to run a bracket coverage at him and then force Noah Brown, force Michael Gallup and Don Schultz to beat you. And Don Schultz probably be man up with Fred Warner. I think the Portlanders would, would take that that matchup, right? They would they would take Noah Brown and uh, Michael Gallup and T. Y. Hilton to beat the 49ers. Now, do I think Tarverius Ward puts clamps on him? Absolutely. I think Tarverius will put clamps on anyone. Um, I've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen what he's done against elite receivers like DK um, and then a couple other games where he, he locked up receivers. So I've seen that. Um, does he bounce back? I hella hope so because they need him. Now, I hope the 49ers don't get don't get beat deep because T.Y. still Hilton still has speed. C.D. Lamb has speed. Michael Gallup has speed still. I hope they don't get beat deep because that's that's where things start getting interesting when the 49ers start getting beat deep. And that's where they've been beat a lot. They've been beat deep a lot. That's uh, that's kind of been the recent theme. Like I said, the big difference in why Seattle was kind of in this game was that one touchdown where Traverius Ward got beat deep. Now he stumbled. It could have been because of the rain, whatever it may be. That's why they have 16 points instead of nine. And I mean, 16 and nine is not necessarily a big difference. When you score 16 points, you're not expected to win that game. The offense should score more than 16 points when you're the 49ers. And so to me, this this game, that's where... You've got to wonder about the matchups because Diamond Lenore, unlike uh, Traverius Ward, is arguably coming off his best game of the season. Lenore had a pretty solid performance, had the one interception that really sealed it, and didn't allow much in coverage. I think 28 yards in coverage in total. Pretty strong game from Lenore. Yeah, I think the, the biggest key factor is Demo, right? If Demo plays like he did Saturday... I think the 49ers, they're going to be rocking because he played freaking good football, man. Now, it wasn't when he was matched up with DK, there was great coverages, but DK just outmuscled him. But I'll take it. If you're in great position and you're, you're in position to make a play on the ball, I'll take it. Now, when you're getting burnt like Charverius Ward, that's when I'm like, come on, man. Like, you can't, you can't, you know, they're trying to go deep. Don't get hit with that. The, the, not necessarily, it wasn't a double move because, Traverius Ward is playing the back shoulder and on a on a fade. If they're matched, if they're lined up, the quarterback's told to to throw deep. If they're the, they're not, if they're if they're lined up, quarterback's told to throw back shoulder, and he played the back shoulder and then got beat deep. So I think it's just a matter of of what corners show up because we've seen our secondary be shaky at times, man. We've seen great cornerback play, and then we've seen shitty cornerback play from both of them. So it just depends who shows up. I know it's Jimmy Ward in the slot is going to be um, manning up with that, whoever comes at him. I think that's going to be a fun matchup because he'll probably match up. Probably Gallup, right? CD Lamb. They like to put CD Gallup, Lamb in the yeah, slot. Gallup and so Lamb. that'll be a fun matchup. Um, so that'll be a fun. Um, I'm just interested to see um, how our defensive line and linebackers go from Zeke to Pollard because the speed difference, it's a big changeup, dude. Uh, watching the um, Dallas, the Tampa Bay linebackers flow, and De- let me throw this out there: Devin White has played horrendously, in my opinion, over the past year. Um, David and then uh, David Levante David um, kind of took a back step this year. Um, so when I was watching them, the the way they pursued Zeke was crazy. Like they were on Zeke's ass like this, but then when they're pursuing. Uh, Pollard, they were taking the same angles as they were taking with Zeke, and then Pollard was picking up five, six yards. It's like, you can't take that angle with that speed. So I'm curious to see if that gets the linebackers a few times, because I know Drake Greenlaw likes to pursue a certain way. Um, I know so yeah. does Fred Warner. So you could get caught in, in pursuit in bad angles, especially with guys when they have speed. But obviously, 
we're used to speed because they see Christian McCaffrey in the backfield often, so they should be fine. Yeah, no, that'll be a fun one because that's that that that's a big part of the Dallas Cowboys offense. Today, Pollard, like you said, was the big guy. That hasn't necessarily been the case all year. Zeke has 231 carries on the year. Pollard has 193. Pollard is extremely efficient, though. He has at over five yards per carry, had an over 1,000-yard season, and it seems like when it matters, the Dallas Cowboys are now going towards their top running back. Pollard got 15 carries. Zeke got 13. Only 27 yards on his 13 carries. Pollard, on the other hand, had 77 yards. So that'll be a matchup that the 49ers do need to uh, pay attention to. And remember, the 49ers just are coming off a matchup against Kenneth Walker, where Walker really had a solid performance for the first half. Uh, and he he was a part of the Seattle offense that where the linemen weren't necessarily moving, Walker created himself. 4.2 yards per carry only, but 63 yards, a hard-fought 63 yards. The last time uh, the two ma- uh, the two teams faced, it was 70 yards for Seattle on five yards per carry. Now, the 49ers have only allowed, I think, 59 yards to a running back twice this year. Walker was just one in this playoff game. The other was Josh Jacobs. Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott, they could, or at least Tony Pollard, he could be the third guy to get that range. And the really, when Dallas's offense is its most scary, is when they're utilizing play action a good amount and getting a balanced approach. They had that balanced approach today. They were able to run 35 times, and that's really a reason why their uh, passing offense had as much success as it did. Props to Brad, uh, Dak Prescott as well. And I think that's the biggest thing is is if Dak Prescott gets a run game from Tony Pollard, that team is, is different. Every time Tony Pollard is touching the ball, that team is different. If I was Dallas, I'd probably start. Tony Pollard and I don't play Zeke as much as I, I normally would unless it's short yardage situations. There's no reason, in my opinion, so then this is me, me necessarily just talking football. Like, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but when, when you're seeing Zeke Elliott get about 12 touches in, in the run game and he's averaging, what did you say he was averaging? So 13 touches and he's averaging 2.1 yards per carry. And then you have yeah. 15 carries for, for Pollard and he's averaging 5.1. It's like, what's the point of giving Zeke those extra 13 touches? Like, like I get you have to rest um, Tony Pollard. But Tony Pollard is young enough where you could give him those 20 touches and you could give Zeke seven. Like, those extra five touches is an extra 25 yards in the run game. Like, to me, that is a big difference for Dak Prescott, especially if you want to keep drives going. Because on third down, you have to be efficient. Well, now that means... You have to have more third and shorts or third and mediums. When Ezekiel Elliott's on the field, on first and 10, if you run the ball, thank you. You bowed the 49ers out every single time. Yeah. Because a, a, a second and 10 is much better for the, much easier for the 49ers to defend than a second and six. Because now second and six is manageable if it goes to, if you don't get the completion and it goes third and six. Much more manageable than thir- uh, third and six is much more manageable than a third and 10. So I think every time Ezekiel Elliott's on the field, touching the ball, I think the 49ers are getting bailed out. If Tony Pollard isn't touching the ball 20 times in this game, 49ers should be thankful because every time Zeke touches the ball, I'm like, the dude doesn't have juice anymore in his legs. It's it's sad yeah. to say, but he doesn't have juice anymore. And that's right because what did I just say? Cowboys, that offense, it succeeds when that play action comes into play. When does that play action come into play? When you have second and six, when you have second and medium, third and medium, where you can sell the run fake very heavily and then get the shot play working. On second and 10, much harder to do that. So Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, Cowboys, it seems like they're a lot more efficient offensively overall, not only in the run, but against the pass as well, when Tony Pollard is the guy getting those carries. Yeah, so so me, every time I see Zeke touch the ball, um, I'm just thinking to myself, like, you guys are bailing the defense out. Like absolutely, because Tony Pollard, he could he could take it. He's like Christian McCaffrey in the sense, and I'm not comparing him and Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is a better running back, but he could take a, a a rush from the from the 20 yard line, 80 yards. Ezekiel Elliott can't do that anymore. Maybe back in his, back when he was younger, but man, Zeke struggles once he gets past 10 yards. Man, he, he yeah. it looks like his knees are hurting. Like it's bail me out. Let Zeke run the ball 13 times, man. 
I'll take it. I'll live with it because every time you do that, we're, we're, it's a successful for the 49ers. Now, one of the last questions before we get out of here. I know it's way too early to predict what you, the outcome is going to be. Um, what is something you're going to go into? Because I know you're probably going to go watch Dallas Cowboy film. You're going to watch 49 film. Kind of guy you are. I'm constantly watching film. What are you going to be looking for um, from both teams? Um, how do you how, like? What are you going to try to to figure out how the Fortnite should attack, or what are you going to what are you going to do when you watch film? Well, the number one question on my mind after today: How are the 49ers going to cover Dalton Schultz? Dalton Schultz was the number one receiver today. He and Dak Prescott have that connection. Schultz had eight targets, the most of any tight end, and Schultz is really getting in to his game at the end of the season. That's the best time to get into his game because he's struggling through injuries. He had PCL sprains uh, in the early part of the season. I know because I had him on fantasy for a good portion of the time. He had PCL sprains for a good part of the season. And so now he's getting into his game. I'm going to see how the 49ers, how are they going to combat that? Uh, obviously, they faced Travis Kelsey earlier in the year. They faced a couple of tight ends like that. But Dalton Schultz is going to be a tough matchup, especially with all the, the magic that – uh, the the offense does with C.D. Lamb and their other uh, skill position players in the play, in the play action game and just in the in the shotgun game. So that's kind of the number one thing I'm going to look for. And then for the 49ers, maybe offensively, how are they going to exploit that Dallas run defense in the in this past game? What did the 49ers do? They look to run to the outside a lot, look to get away from Al Woods, look to get away from those interior defensive linemen that could have given them havoc and instead went to the outside. Why? Because the 49ers succeed more on the outside zone runs than the inside zone runs this year. Their interior offensive line, it's been solid. Don't get me wrong. Jake Brendel, a Pro Bowl alternate. Uh, other guys, Aaron Banks has been a solid con contributor. Spencer Burford up and down, but he's been there. But. They are better, all three of them, in my opinion, in pass uh, in pass blocking than in run defense. In run, de uh, in, in, sorry, than in run blocking. In run blocking, the interior offensive line sometimes struggles to win at the line of scrimmage. They either are neutral with their opponents or they uh, they get pushed back, and that's why you see some of these second and elevens and negative plays come from the running game because. They aren't filling the. They aren't necessarily uh, blocking to their responsibility because they can't push forward. Instead, on the outside zone runs, you see these sixty-yard gains. The Christian McCaffrey run came on the outside of Trent Williams, or in, you'll see runs between Williams and Banks, where you can get the tight end blocking, the fullback blocking, and these different uh, elements of your scheme working because that's where the perfection of the execution comes. So I want to see how does Dallas defend the run. Uh, are they better blocking on the outside, or are they better blocking on the inside? Because that could give the 49ers some havoc as well. I think that's. I think you 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 hit the the nail on the head. That's the biggest thing is the way Dallas defended the run today, and I know um, Tampa is, isn't a good run offense. It, it kind of. To me, I felt like Dallas went away from the run way too early. I know Dallas or Tampa, I know Tampa hasn't been able to run the ball all season, but when Rashad White was running the ball, he was averaging six yards a carry. And I know they started running the ball a little bit later in the game, but they never established the run. They never tried to establish the run. It was right out the gate, pass, 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 pass. Like if they had Rashad, and the same thing with goes for. Leonard Fournette and and Ezekiel Elliott. Fournette averages two point two yards. Seems like Marco accidentally got cut out, but ah, there we go. He's back. Rashad White touched the ball seven times, and then Leonard Fournette five. So to me, if they if Fournette stick to the run game early and often, they'll be fine. If Rashad White could average six yards per carry against that defense. Guess what? Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell are going to do the same thing. Now, yeah. where, where you could get Dallas to, what I noticed today, is rush integrity. They don't know how to – they don't have rush lanes. Uh, now, what I mean by this is there was times where Tom Brady, if he was mobile, he would have had a lot of yards. Brock Purdy is mobile. Now, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's going to run the ball, but he has checkdowns, and his checkdowns – are going to have a lot of yards. I expect Christian McCaffrey to have a good amount of yards in the out of the backfield receiving. The reason is because Michael Parsons comes out of the, comes off the edge so crazy that it kind of takes away that whole edge. 
no edge containment. He likes to knife in a lot. Now what, what Kyle needs to do, throw a lot of screens at the guy. Because there was a few times where Tom Brady tried uh, screening him, and they probably would have gotten 20 yards on a few of them. The only difference is, is Brian Leftwich, I feel that's his name, the offensive coordinator for Tampa Bay, doesn't know how to call a screen. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan does. So that's the biggest difference. You can call a screen in so many different ways, but instead, Leftwich does the simple shotgun, let me have my quarterback drop back an extra five steps and dump it over the defensive end. It doesn't work like that when you have a guy like Michael Parsons who could jump probably he probably grabs probably dunks easily, so he probably jumps about 10 feet into the air when he's fully extended. You can't do that. You have to be able to design things and make things look like it's going one way and then throw a screen the other way because Michael Parsons is coming after the quarterback no matter what. No, yeah. does not care about what's going on on his side. He wants a sack. That's literally what he sees. That's the young Michael Parsons who, once he learns how to do that, is going to be even a much better defensive player. Same thing with Nick Bosa against the Kansas City Chiefs. Wants a sack all day, is going after the quarterback, doesn't care. Gets screened a lot. Now that's where they beat us in the screen game. Then he started seeing Nick Bosa against the screen later in the year. He learned from it. He wasn't getting screened like he like he did against Kansas City when they were running screens at him. I think that's the biggest thing the 49ers will do that Tampa Bay couldn't run the ball and run screens, especially against a defensive line that wants to get upfield and, and get after the quarterback. I think that's the recipe for success after what I just watched tonight. And I have not watched film on Tampa or, or Tampa or, or the Dallas Cowboys. But when I do, I think that's going to be something that jumps out to me when I go back to watch other games of them. How do teams run screens at them? That's what, that's what's, that's what is what has me curious. And I think that all of what you just said in the run game is important because when you talk about the running lanes, right, Christian McCaffrey and uh, Elijah Mitchell should have those running lanes available because Rashad White had the running lanes available. The Cowboys are a pass-rushing team. They've got three guys who are pretty strong pass rushers in Parsons, Dorrance Armstrong, and Demarcus Lawrence, but they aren't really a great gap-filling team. Linebackers, they're there. Van Rush is solid, but... Overall, they don't uh, they don't really mesh that well, which is why they give up 130 yards per game on the ground. They're better at the pass rush, which is where uh, their strong suit is in terms of statistics. And when you talk about the quarterback, you're right. Brock Purdy is mobile. And Brock Purdy, whether you like it or not, he's shown that he does not mind taking off at times. He's not necessarily the fastest quarterback, but he does not mind taking off when he needs to take off. When it's there, he's going to take off. And he has the ability to extend plays when he doesn't want to take off. So all of that is definitely there. I think we hit a, a, a lot of topics. I think we got a good hour in. Um, I know I, I want to get another episode in this week, uh, especially to, to preview Dallas and 49ers, as well as a couple of the other matchups. I'll probably be going on with um, someone else as well, just to, to recap and, and look at the other playoff games, because there's uh, going to be four playoff games this weekend, not just yeah. 49ers playing. And now that, it's clutch gene sports. I can now talk all football, not just 49er ball. Um, so now it's not going to be just 49er centric anymore, which is fun. Um, a lot more Golden State Warriors um, talk is going to be coming. Uh, San Francisco Giants. So all the Giants fans, I know you guys are all sad that we didn't get Carlos Correa. Talks like that will come. Um, just, just a, I love talking sports. I know everyone likes to talk sports. Um, so that's the reason why the rebrand. I know Rohan has his own personal channel. Go ahead and shout that out real quick, Rohan. Yeah, so those of you guys uh, tune in here, make sure you subscribe and like to this video on my channel. A lot of content is going to be out there with uh, fun content creators as well. And we're going to get some content out for sure before this game, and uh, I'll be at the game. So stay tuned for this week. It's going to be a fun week. And everyone that is tuned in today, I appreciate you guys. Make sure you guys subscribe to both channels. You're going to get a lot of interesting takes, a lot of different topics from both channels, Rohan is more of a, a calm and relaxed approach. Um, I, and I'm a little different. I might give you a hot take here in two. Rohan is more of the relaxed one, though, which, which I, it's a very good complimentary conversation because if I didn't have Rohan here, it would probably be a lot of um, going craziness on, on the channel. Um, but that's not all it, all it takes, right, Rohan? Yes, sir. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you guys all have a great night and a great week. And always go 49ers.